Many data breach-related class action suits end up getting dismissed by courts because plaintiffs haven't been able to show evidence that they've been injured by ID theft, fraud, or other harm as a result of the breaches. The latest such ruling was by a U.S. district court in New York who ordered a class action lawsuit against arts and crafts retailer Michaels, who suffered a malware breach in 2013 affecting more than 2 million individuals, be dismissed. However, in a different ongoing breach case, a Massachusetts Superior Court judge recently ruled that a plaintiff has standing to sue for money damages based on the mere exposure of plaintiff's private information in an alleged data breach. The court concluded that plaintiffs in the case of Walker et al. versus Boston Medical Center had pleaded a real and immediate risk of injury despite failing to allege that any unauthorized persons had even seen or accessed that information. The Walker case is centered around a 2014 incident in which Boston Medical Center notified about 15,000 patients that their health records were made accessible to the public through an independent medical record transcription services company's unsecured website. So what's the potential impact of this Massachusetts ruling on other data breach cases? I'm Marian Kolbesak-McGee, Executive Editor of Information Security Media Group. Today I'm speaking with attorney Kevin McGinty of law firm Mintz-Levin in Boston, who will describe for us how this recent Massachusetts court ruling bucks the trend of most other data breach case rulings and its potential significance. So, Kevin, for starters, just to clear any questions our listeners may have, you're not involved in the case representing plaintiffs or the defendant. No, I'm, I'm not one of the lawyers for the parties in that case. So now, Kevin, how does this Walker versus BMC ruling differ from rulings that we've seen in most other data breach cases to date and why? And also, have most of the other cases that have been dismissed been dismissed by federal courts versus state courts? Well, the federal versus state distinction that you just mentioned is, I think, the key, one of the key points here. Most of these cases are litigated in the federal courts. They're brought as class actions and, and either brought in federal court or removed to federal court. And in the federal court, there's a very robust standing doctrine under the Constitution, Article Three of the Constitution, that courts will apply to get rid of cases where there is no case or controversy. And, and, and to have a case or controversy, you need to have some injury or reasonable likelihood of injury. And in a lot of these data breach cases, it's very hard to establish that there has been an injury, even when data has been stolen. So what is unusual about this particular data breach case that you think influenced the court's decision? Well, I think there's there's a couple of things at play here. First of all, increasingly, courts are much more sensitive to data breaches depending upon the type of data that is stolen. Uh, a lot of cases that were highly publicized involved theft of credit card data, for example. It's very hard for uh, consumers to be uh, injured when credit card data is stolen because they're usually held harmless for the uh, fraudulent charges against their cards, and, and a credit card number can't be used to steal an identity. So in any number of those cases, the courts have found that there is no injury and therefore no standing to bring the claim. Where the uh, alleged injury involves the theft or exposure of medical information, However, courts are a lot more sensitive to that. Not only does it have highly personal information about the individual that might be embarrassing to them, but often medical files have things like dates of birth and social security numbers that can be used to steal an identity. And so here, I think one of the animating factors was that this involved medical information. 
I think the other thing is that the uncertainty in this case about what happened to uh, the information for this judge was problematic. He seemed reluctant, given the sensitivity of the information, to do away with the case when there was no, no basis at this point to know what had happened to the information. Ironically, in, the federal, in federal cases, that last fact is usually the thing that does away with it. If it's just a matter of speculation that the information was seen, exposed, or taken, courts usually won't let you bring a claim. They're going to require that there be a circumstance where someone can come in and say that the information was taken and misused in some way or is so obviously an imminent danger of being used that you have a claim and therefore you can claim an injury. So going back to sort of the premise of some of the other cases that have been dismissed because there, there's been no proof that you know, ID theft has occurred or fraud has occurred. In cases involving healthcare, as you mentioned, there could be sensitive information, maybe potentially embarrassing information, very private information, and maybe it doesn't necessarily include things like social security numbers or date of birth. I'm not sure if that's the case in this particular lawsuit, but there could be incidents where that might happen. Do you think there's a change in sentiment by the courts that you know, even if there isn't financial harm to an individual, the harm done to that person's reputation or, you know, the sense of embarrassment, loss of privacy could be enough for some courts in the future to move forward with these cases? Well, I think if someone takes and uses information, even if it's not for identity theft purposes, that will uh, every, every court is going to recognize that as being an injury. I think the, the conundrum here is uh, where you're talking about not the actual misuse, uh, because no one has any idea whether information was even seen by anyone on, unauthorized, let alone misused by them. Here it's the question of what is the risk that, that's at issue. And I can give you some, some examples of other cases in the past. So, for example, the landmark Supreme Court case involves a situation where involving the uh, NSA's data interception program where the plaintiff sued saying that the NSA having this program to monitor broadly communications in and out of the United States exposed their sensitive information to misuse by NSA and therefore was actionable uh, a violation. And the Supreme Court said that unless you can show that they actually did something with this information that was wrong, the mere fact that it's exposed is, is not enough. Other cases predating Clapper, sometimes dealing with medical information, uh, would arise in circumstances where someone had lost a laptop. Companies that, that perhaps did not have the most robust data security practices would allow people to leave the premises with unencrypted laptops that would, would contain uh, sensitive information, sometimes medical information, and those laptops would be stolen out of cars, for example, or, or places where they were left briefly unattended, airport departure lounges and the like. And in those cases, even though the, anyone who had that laptop would have access to the information and could theoretically misuse it. Courts would say it's a matter of speculation whether or not that would happen because when, when someone does a snatch and grab on a laptop, they're not doing it to hack into sensitive information. They're, they're getting it for the hardware. Usually what happens is they, they wipe the hard drive and resell it. So there, they, they said even even with uh, access to information, someone having inf- sensitive information and access to it, unless you show something more on those circumstances, we're not going to infer that there is going to be an injury that's going to result. So, Kevin, what's the potential impact of this ruling beyond Massachusetts, or is it mostly relevant in Massachusetts at this point? I think it's going to mostly be relevant in Massachusetts, and it's not even clear how extensively it's, it's going to be in play here. For jurisdictional reasons, uh, most of these cases end up in federal court. When lawyers bring class actions that involve uh, large numbers of people, often in multiple states, 
for, for dollar amounts that are $5 million or more, those can be removed into federal court. And so that's why most of the cases end up in federal court. And then you're subject to the Supreme Court's decision in Clapper and all of the well-established federal case law that makes the standing issue so difficult. So you would have to be a case that was like this one, limited to the Massachusetts uh, courts for this even to have some persuasive effect. The depth of analysis here, I think, is not terribly extensive. The court doesn't cite Clapper or any of those lines of federal cases. The decision here is really more about uh, what sorts of inferences you can draw at the motion to dismiss stage and I'm not sure the inferences were terribly well thought out either. So it's uh, it's a very brief decision, two pages, so there's not, not a lot for uh, any other court to draw on other than, than the result in the case. So it's not clear to me whether this is going to have a big impact. I, th- I think the bigger significance of it is is that uh, where it does fit in with what I see as somewhat of a trend in data breach litigation is that the nature of the information that's at risk is, uh, is a big driving factor in uh, deciding what happens in the case. And here, where, where it was medical information that was involved, I think the court uh, treated it with a lot more sensitivity and deference than they might have if the information were less sensitive. So with that said, what do you think the potential impact of this ruling might be when it comes to Massachusetts residents who have been victims in large nationwide breaches like the hacker attack on Anthem or other health insurers? Would Massachusetts residents be treated any differently? No, it doesn't really work that way. If you have a nationwide class of data breach plaintiffs, they would all be judged under a single standard. This is really a procedural ruling. It's not a substantive ruling. And when you have a case, a procedural case in federal court, it's decided under federal procedural uh, rules. So this would not be a binding on a federal case, even as to some subset of of uh, class members who might reside in Massachusetts. I think we can expect, though, to see this cited in state and federal decisions throughout the country by plaintiffs who are going to be asking courts to infer that there is a sufficient risk of harm to, to, for there to be standing, and they're going to cite decision as, as one decision that is, has found that a court can do that. But it won't have binding authority anywhere outside of Massachusetts, and I think in light of the weight of case law going the other way, I think it's going to have limited persuasive authority. Now, as I mentioned earlier, there was a medical transcription services company that was involved or actually was at the center of the breach. Is that company being sued in this case? And overall, what would you say the lesson is for other business associates in this case so far? Yes, they are a co-defendant in this case. The transcription company and uh, the hospital are are being sued, and you know this does put the conduct of the, of the, the transcription company front and center because it was their systems that were allegedly compromised here. They're going to have to defend their practices. So for both the uh, providers and for the vendors that they use. Um, they need to have very clear contractual understandings about what requirements have to be met in terms of, of configuring systems and having security with uh, appropriate uh, indemnifications running in favor of the party who's relying on someone else's systems and rights for them to, uh, and some, you know, sometimes there's appropriate rights to audit systems for compliance with contract requirements. Otherwise, you can end up in a situation where you are providing data to a, a vendor or business associate. The, that data becomes at the mercy of uh, of the robustness of their security systems. So now, Kevin, what's next in this case, and what other potential hurdles do the plaintiffs in this lawsuit face in order to ultimately win their case? 
So the, all they've done at this point is survive a motion to dismiss, and, and the court was pretty clear that uh, uh, for this case to go forward, it's going to require them to develop facts through discovery that show that there has been some uh, uh, exposure and, and even misuse of, of, of the data. And I think that's going to be a very difficult challenge for them here. They're in a worse situation than the person whose data was on the stolen laptop, because there you at least know that some unauthorized person has access to the data. Here, you have no idea that, that when the security uh, protections were down and the data was, was accessible through the Internet, whether anyone actually made use of it. I would analogize it to a situation where money was kept in a bank vault and the vault was unlocked. Who knows whether anyone would think to try the door of the vault and open it up and see if it was locked. Most people would assume it's not accessible. A medical transcription company like this is not like a big-scale player like a retailer, for example, where hackers would be uh, repeatedly targeting them persistently on a regular basis as, as someone who's likely to have information that's useful to them. I think a hacker would be interested in going into the data of, of a medical transcription company because you could use it for something like uh, identity theft. But they're small-scale players, and they're relatively anonymous, and there's so many of them that it would be a matter of happenstance for a hacker to, ha to go upon, upon them as a victim as opposed to the persistent targeting of, of bigger entities. So at the end of the day, it seems to me that it's far from clear that, that anything happened here other than the risk of exposure. And as a result, I think it's going to be very difficult for the plaintiffs to prove that anyone actually accessed the data or misused it. And if they don't do that based on this decision, I, I, don't, I don't think the case survives summary judgment. Now, as you said, it's still very early in this case, but do you think this ruling will make it any easier for plaintiffs to pursue class action suits successfully? It certainly helps anyone who, who can find a way to bring a Massachusetts limited class action like this one, but I don't think it's going to move the needle all that much for uh, large national data breach class actions. Uh, where the, the existing body of federal law is going to be in play, and that's going to be far more relevant than, than this is to, to deciding whether those cases can go forward. Finally, Kevin, any lessons that the healthcare sector, healthcare organizations, other sorts of healthcare sector companies should learn from this data breach case so far? Well, I think the, the lesson is is that once you have a breach event, even if you have very strong defenses to, to liability, uh, based on issues of, of standing and the like. It's a very expensive proposition, damaging proposition to be caught in these sorts of events. That you, It costs money to defend yourself. It costs money to investigate the breach. It costs money to close down the, the holes in your security. And then, uh, depending on your business, you can take a significant hit, a reputational hit that hurts your you know, top line and, 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 as a result, your bottom line. Um, so this is really uh, just a further reminder that no matter how strong you think your defense as to liability might be, you want to do everything you can to avoid being exposed to a breach in the first place. Thanks, Kevin. I've been speaking to attorney Kevin McGinty. I'm Marianne Kolbesuk-McGee of Information Security Media Group. Thanks for listening.